you, you talk about the excitement factor and the entertainment factor. Bill Simmons, who's now over with uh, uh, HBO, he went to an L.A. Kings the other day. He said he couldn't believe, he wrote an article, couldn't, or it was on his podcast, couldn't believe how great the three-on-three was. He says it's the greatest invention that they've ever had in sport. He wants to see the NFL in overtime go to seven-on-seven. He's Those right. Are, he's, he's pretty right. influential. Uh, like, he is. You know, so it was really. Here's a guy, big LA Kings fan, and you know that was his commentary after. Uh, I saw that. I saw him tweet that, that out. Yeah. I think he said it's the the best invention since the three point line in the yeah, NBA. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what he said. And that would have been back in probably the late seventies, maybe yeah. early eighties. So you're talking like 30, 35 years. All of these leagues and going three on three in overtime. Because if you're not entertained by three on three in overtime, then you don't like sports. Like, you do not enjoy watching and consuming sports. And I understand that there are people, the traditionalists out there, that say, I don't want to like it. You're forcing yourself to have that take. You are forcing yourself to come out and say, oh, I don't like it. It's, um, it's too free-flowing. It's too pond hockey-ish. You're forced. I don't buy it. I do not believe that you actually don't want to see this happen. I think you are forcing that hot take upon us. Totally agree. It's outstanding. You know, I go back to, and Jeff talks about the traditionalists, I go back to when the lockouts, after the, before the lockout, you know, they'd call a penalty, you guy would be hooking and dragging you and, you know, arms around you, and they'd say, and, and somebody would call a penalty, and they go, how can that be a penalty? And then the lockout started, right, and there was a little tug, and the fans are, penalty! <laughs> <laughs> right, The exactly. fans changed pretty quick. Oh, they're fickle. <laughs> they're fickle. Man, you could get tickets to the ball game yesterday for like 35 bucks. Yeah. That is fickle. <laughs> That is where you you turn on a dime. Uh, I wonder if coaches, though, can find themselves enjoying it while they're in three-on-three. They ever sit back and just say, I'm going to enjoy this as a fan. Let's bring in the head coach of the Maple Leafs. Here is Mike Babcock. What do you think of three-on-three so far, Mike? I love it. Jeez, we had five chances in three-on-three last night. we got to hit the thing with red around the edges, though. you got to put it in the net a little bit. But, no, I I tell you the truth, I love it because you don't have to – you don't think you're going to the shootout and seeing that – if I'm not mistaken, we might have been in three shootouts now and three three-on-threes. So I think we did one in exhibition. I could be wrong. My memory is good. It's just short. Uh, so I could be wrong on that, but I think we are. So, you know, it's not uh, solving all the problems, but anything to avoid the shootouts is a good thing. So how do you change your coaching style or blueprint in three-on-three compared to five-on-five? Well, I don't want a whole bunch. I'm trying to score goals, like trying to win. And so what I try to do is I got the guys out there that can skate and have a chance to make plays. All we've done basically is we have a way to play without the puck. You know, we try never ever to change when we don't have it. We try never to give it away at all. Like you're walking up the wall in the offense zone and you're under pressure, so you throw it away to someone. Just hang on to it. You can even use your goalie as someone to tap it back to. Just hang on to the puck as much as you can. And don't miss the net on the wide side. Uh, just don't miss the net on the wide side. She's coming back two-on-one or three-on-one. But I think when you get your opportunity, you got to score. you got to finish no disrespect to Daniel Winnick and Nick Spalling, but they started the overtime for you yesterday, Mike. Uh, as opposed to going to some of your skill guys, what was your reasoning for starting them? Well, have you looked at the stats on the team? Who's <laughs> leading my team in scoring? Is it them? 
Well, I'm pretty sure it is. Is Winnick not leading the team in scoring right now? You know that old saying, don't ask a question if you don't know the answer to it? <laughs> well, I think I think it's just, uh, I guess what I'm saying to you is, is they've been good. And when you go through it with Lupul on their line, they're, they're generating a lot. Uh, the other thing I we thought is we thought Riley and Innes were very good. We thought Eichel and uh, Kane were very good. And so we had Kadri and Van Riemsdyk and then those two guys against the other. And so we took our chances. But to me... Uh, you know, what's interesting is we have a perspective of who's generating chances or as a fan, and then I actually know who's generating the chances because we charted every game. So the guys who generate chances get to go out. Mike, I want to ask you, you know, and I'm taking you back a little bit to when you were coaching in Spokane in the Western League. And, you know, new players coming in all the time, and, you know, there's a turnover and there's a lot of teaching. Do you find you're back in that type of uh, mindset as a coach now coming into Toronto with uh, younger players, players trying to prove themselves at different points of their career? Yeah, I mean, a bit. and saying all that, I mean, we had young, young guys in Detroit this last few years, too, is, is, so you spend a lot of time with those guys, and, you know, what you want to do is you want to, you always want to put in as much time as you can with the guys who really want help and so the best players always want help they, they just got a love of the game and they try real hard and they compete real hard and so you want to have good young guys to help that way and so we're trying to really focus on our guys that unfortunate for Gardner is hurt a little bit but I mean I, I think Riley's improved I don't know if it's six percent a day but it's unbelievable the growth of Cattery's been fantastic so we just got to keep helping our young guys get better and that's what we'll try to do and then we got a bunch of kids in the minors that I like I just watched them again the other day uh, they got to grow up a little bit and I got to fix this situation here first and then once we've done that we'll have some of those guys on our team but there's a lot of teaching going on for sure and saying that I like a lot of the things we're doing we got to find a way to win uh, every night we we got points in three to four games we lost in Pittsburgh in a game I thought we could have could have been right there. Geez, you know, to me, we did lots of good things. And saying that, we got to believe in the fact that we're going to win. You can't come to the rink hoping you're going to win. You got to know you're going to win. So I think we're building that. But the belief system here is is going to come with structure and work ethic and compete. We're chatting with Mike Babcock. Uh, you just mentioned that you got to fix it up here before the young kids, you know, find their way up. Uh, how does that apply to a lot of the players on the team that that have one year deals and, and may not be here down the road? Well, who says you're not going to be here? Like The way I'd go about it if I had a one-year deal is I'd be displaying my skills for the whole league and for the Leafs. And the, the great thing about it is we got first right of refusal. So if you want to be a Leaf, play good. Compete hard every day. Be a good human being. And the next thing you know, you get to play. It's amazing what you can do to help yourself. And guys that you never even heard of, at the start of the year end up being important players to you if you compete hard and you do good things each and every day and you know uh, that's what's happening here i'm i'm getting to know the guys they're getting to know me the the more the better you play the more you get to play it's real simple some guys would tell you oh if the coach plays me i'll play good that's not how it works for me do good things good things happen i'll catch you doing them you'll get to play more does uh quick question here mike Matt Hunwick, who is uh, one of your assistant captains, uh, does he give you a lot of the same things that Luke Glendening gave you in Detroit? Well, I mean, in the gym and that way, for sure, in saying that, you know, to be honest with you, is I pushed hard to get him. I never knew that he was going to be like this on the ice. 
I knew the kind of man he was, the kind of the way he trained. I knew he was going to help with the culture. You know, he's been a six, seven D man. I never knew he was going to play 27 minutes last night, make those plays, play against the best people. I had no idea. That's kind of what I'm talking about. Is you bring players in, they got an opportunity. If you grab it and you go with it, and suddenly you get confidence, and everyone knows that confidence is the whole key to sport. When you're feeling good about yourself, you do good things. He's come here. He's worked hard. He's earned the opportunity. He's obviously won over DJ Smith. He keeps putting him out there all the time. <laughs> and, and the next thing you know, the kid's feeling good about himself. And, and so uh, Glenn Denning's uh, ultra-competitive, great human being, makes his teammates better, uh, drives them in the battle. Hun- Honey works hard every day here, competes like crazy. He's ready to do what's ever right every single day, and I think he's a real good teammate and good man. You mentioned that uh, Hunwick played upwards of 27 minutes last night. Uh, Dion played 17, and, and a few of the games this year, his, his numbers have certainly been lower than, than what we've been used to uh, over the past handful of years. He's, he's always been the guy racking up the most minutes. Uh, is that a conscious effort to scale back his minutes, or are you making that determination on the fly during the game? No, what what happened last night is that cross check he got in the face. They had to go put his teeth back in order and sew up his face, and then he went to the penalty box. So he probably I don't know was that five extra minutes there, but uh, no. But we are we're definitely getting the guys that play the best out each night. So every night, I say to my video coach, I say to Jim Heller, make sure I know who's playing the best. No. I'm supposed to know anyway. That's what you do. You watch the game, who's playing the best. There's nothing more disappointing for a head coach when you watch the game team the next day and someone who played well didn't play enough minutes. That, to me, is ridiculous. That's your job. Find the guys playing the best and play them. And the guys on the bench, they know who's playing good. They expect you to play the guys that are playing the best. So, for example, last night going into overtime, I don't think anyone on the bench was wondering why 16 and 26 were on the ice. I used to love the excuses refs gave for missing calls. What could they have possibly have said when a cross-check to the face and a guy's bleeding and his teeth are all over the ice? I, I would love to know what they had to say. You know, just missed it. And, and, and in fairness to them, I don't know how four missed it. To me, it was four of them shouldn't miss it. It was a tough one. We could have been on the power play, obviously. would have made a difference for us. That's the way life goes sometimes. What I do know is we're going to the box too much and the other team's not enough, so that means we're not spending enough time in the ozone. If you spend time in the ozone, you draw more penalties. We're just not doing a good enough job being heavy on the puck in the ozone. If we do, we'll spend more time on the power play. Were you hoping to see a response from your team after Kane did what he did? Maybe someone go after him? No. I was hoping to win the game. So you don't consider the old school mentality to be a part of your protocol? Well, I don't think, you know what, is I think there's a time and place for everything, right? But uh, what was the score when that happened? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you just, I think, I think the, the clock's boss, the score's boss. You can, you know, we're playing Buffalo lots. I wouldn't worry about that too much. Uh, you know, these things have a, time, a way to work out over time. Uh, but as far as going to the penalty box and making sure you lose the game, that would make no sense to me whatsoever. With Mike Babcock. So Saturday night, you're, you're going to be coaching the Toronto Maple Leafs, heading into the Bell Centre, taking on the Montreal Canadiens. What do you expect that experience to be like? Well, it'll be outstanding. Obviously, Montreal is the best pageantry in the league. They're fired up like no place to watch hockey, uh, an atmosphere, an opportunity very much like Toronto in that way. They love the game. they got unbelievable fan support, and their team's on fire. Uh, Carey Price is standing on his head, and the guys are playing real well in front of him. They've built a good program. 
I think both the coach and the general manager there have done a real nice job. So uh, we're excited about the opportunity. We plan on going in there and winning. You've been here now for a few weeks behind a bench. Well, more than that, I mean, you, you came in here, I believe, late April, uh, if not into May. But a lot was made about the media here, the fan base here, the pressure that comes with it uh, early into the season. How have you felt about the coverage and, and the spotlight that you hold here in Toronto? Well, I, I mean, Toronto's an incredible, incredible city. Uh, we talked about it again today. Is Our fan support is second to none. It's like nothing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, fans and media drive the revenue in our business and give us an opportunity to do what we do. And I'm a big believer there's way more fans in the media here than people think. I think when you play good, you take ownership of that. When you play bad, you take ownership of that and get on with your day. I don't think you got to spend all day watching uh, the news to see what people are saying about you. I spend no time doing that. I really enjoy the hunting channel and country music. Uh, but in saying that, I think people have been more than fair to us in saying but I'd also like us to improve our product on the ice so that fans know they're coming in the rink to watch us win each night. I think it's a, a great thing when you can go watch your team win every night. Good luck this weekend. We would echo those sentiments. We always appreciate you taking time. Thank you, Mike. All the best, guys. Have a great day now. Mike Babcock, head coach of the Maple Leafs. I'm truly sorry that I didn't have the stats line of the Leafs out because Daniel Winnick is leading the team in scoring with one goal, and three assists. You are taking some heat online. I'm, and Dion's leading the team, too, with four assists. There are people suggesting that Mike Babcock just Craig-buttoned you. Well, all I know is if I'm looking for a guy to score a goal to end overtime, I, I don't care where they are as far as that Toronto sports stats are right here. You don't think it's Winnick or Spalling that will offer that up? Did you see them out there? Yeah, I mean, listen, they... I think they've both played very well early in the year. But if you're asking me, do I think they have a better chance at scoring than Kadri and JVR, you know the answer to that. Well, that's why I asked the question. I, I don't hear care you. where they're situated as far as the stat sheet goes. He's got the stats, man. Yeah. Don't challenge him. I, am, I apologize. That one goal and three assists. Well, wow. you know what he said, though, about Dion was interesting. Like He, he was talking about the minutes, and he said if you're the best players are going to play. But Dion got hurt. I, well, I hear you. But right. even if he didn't get hurt, he wasn't playing 27 minutes like Hunwick. Well, Hunwick wouldn't have played 27. With Riley. But Hunwick wouldn't have played 27 minutes oh, I know, Craig. if Dion didn't get hurt. Craig, but <laughs> I hear you. But he, like multiple times this year, Dion has not been the highest. No, no, I, I know that. Defenseman, I mean, I, which my, means it's that the is. discrepancy. I hear you. But according to Babcock, that means he's saying Dion hasn't been the best defenseman multiple games. And I'm not surprised by that. But I, I actually am encouraged by that because in the past, it didn't matter. Randy was saying, number three, you're on the ice. We need you playing 25, 27. It doesn't matter if you're having a horrible night, you're going to play. Babcock, I, I am encouraged by that comment. I'm just pointing it out that I think it's a good thing that if Dion doesn't deserve to play 25, he's not playing 25. Hey, I've always said that, you know, about coaches. Like, you know, the coaches will play the players they think can help them win. I mean, I'm dying to meet the coach that uh, doesn't do that. Because the, the next coach I meet that doesn't do that will be the first one. This cat says, that's a turnover at the blue line by O-Dog. Leafs should publish their stats in Playboy. <laughs> that's what he has to say. Why would they publish this guy it wrote, in Playboy? This guy honestly wrote in and said, oh my God, R.I.P. O-Dog 9-2. Oh, your soul <laughs> took a beating there. His response was quite something. He just said he just. It was I, ornery. Uh, I think I think we're making a bigger deal out of it. Not all Mike did was defending his position to use uh, Dan, Dan. And as a coach, 
you know, you get to stand well, let me down ask the you bench. Too, you if you guys aren't going to support me in this argument, when you saw those two come out on the ice first, were you not like, what? Oh, let me guess. You're going to. You, you, hey, uh, listen, I looked at the stats and I thought Winnick and Spalling probably a pretty a good joke. idea. Hey, hey this Jeff, shows J- a joke. Jeff, what did I say to you when we came in here before the show started? I don't remember. Can you refresh me? I, I said, geez, it's the three on three starts. And I said, I was surprised to see Winnick and Spalling out there. Well, instead, you sewered me when he. When he no, came. I didn't sewer. I said, Mike is the one. He asked the question. He knew the answer, not you. I wasn't sewering you. Okay. But Mike. Knew the answer to the question. He asked you the question. He knew the answer. Yeah. That was my point. I sewered you. Yeah, you had your stats out, and you were like, yep, yep, and yep, check mark. That's the way Maple But, com, but do you want to know something? Here, here's really Here's the crux of it. Here's the crux of it. This is how, how, how far the Leafs have to go. Because you got to start. You have Daniel Winnick and Nick Spalling being some of your two best forwards. That's another way of looking at it. N- not another way How of looking this? at it. That's looking at it not through rose-colored glasses. Yeah. That's looking at it as it is. Yeah. So, <laughs> by the way, they didn't score a goal and they didn't win the game. So there you go. Well, and who who was the best during three on three? It was Kadri and JVR. Thank you very much. 